Yes, he's a piece of cake. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to have some of the key players come first. So David and Janice are going to come and share a little bit. So why don't you come up forward now, and they're going to share. And Pastor Scott, if you'll come as well. And then I'll let uh, Scott kind of lead and direct this from here on in. And then uh, the board and the staff and that, we'll, we'll jump in, in in a little bit. Thank you, Pastor Brent. First of all, I do want to thank you, Pastor, very much. Uh, for allowing this to take place. This is the heart of our superintendent that, excuse me, are, are, is this your Bible and sermon notes? Yeah. All right, well, we don't need these because after you're ordained, you do it by memory. So that's <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a new man. <laughs> and just said, amen. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding, of course. This is the heart of our district superintendent, Pastor Lori Gibbons, uh, to have these ordinations in local churches amongst the community in which the person serves. And so I want to say hello for him and from our Western Ontario District family. And I want to pray right now as well. Heavenly Father, thank you for the food that we're going to receive in a little while. It's looked after, Pastor Brent. There you go. All right, we didn't miss Grace. And I'll tell you a little story. You know, I have engaged in officiating ordinations a number of times, but there's always a new experience, or there's often a new experience. I live in Burlington. And upon the advice of Pastor Brent, I came down to Windsor last night and stayed in a hotel just in case the weather was a little iffy. And so I left the ordination package, the bag of gifts and supplies, in the car last night. And it was kind of cold, as you remember. I thought, it's okay, it's a certificate, it's some books, it's some papers, we'll be good. What I forgot about was the anointing oil that I left in the car. So I came out this morning and took it out of its little plastic bag, and it was ice cold, like frozen. It was just frozen. I thought, this is interesting. Not only is this not from Jerusalem, it's frozen solid. What are we going to do with this? So what I did, put it in my pocket right away, hoping that the warmth of the spirit and the blood running through my body would, would melt this anointing oil. And I'm happy to let you know, Adam, that this is well melted, completely liquid. We are ready to go. Now, it's not from Jerusalem, sorry about that, but it has been warmed by a district official. So there you go. <laughs> not as good as Jerusalem, but not bad. So it, it's, it's almost, almost pastor, that's for sure. Well, en enough of this silliness. How about we get down to business? How would that be? How special it is, David and Janice, that you can be here this morning just to reflect a little bit on your son's life and whatever you're going to reflect on. That's a real, real treat. So please share with us. Well, good morning, everyone, and it's a very much of a delight to be here. Um, Dave and I have been blessed with three sons, three daughters-in-law, and six grandchildren so far. <laughs> Adam is our youngest son. Well, to share a bit about Adam as he was growing up, I must say he was stubborn and bullheaded. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Right from the time he was born, I really felt in my heart that he was a treasure, a treasure from God. That's what I would tell people when they asked me about having a third child. As a mom, you wonder what your child is going to be like when they get older. What kind of job will they be doing? So you watch for signs of what that could be. When Adam was five years old, he was playing with his friend in the backyard. I was checking on them often, and then, all of a sudden, I couldn't see them. 
Where had they gone? I went outside to find them, and when they weren't anywhere in the yard, I quietly opened the garage door, and that's when I heard Adam witnessing about Jesus to his five-year-old friend. <laughs> I smiled to myself and quietly exited the garage. Hmm, I thought, and I kept that event close to my heart. When Adam was a few years older, I found him playing pretend. You know how boys like to pretend they're Spider-Man or Batman? Well, Adam would pretend he was Pastor Andy. <laughs> he had his step stool ladder out for his pulpit. He had his Sunday tie on, a Bible in his hand, and he would preach to his pretend congregation. These were all fun childhood events. As he got older, around junior high age, I always found him with a crowd of people around him, mostly girls. <laughs> he told me they just wanted to talk about their problems, stuff their boyfriends and parents didn't understand. Adam was a listener and a counselor by the time he was 13 years old. He continued to grow and be about the Father's work ministering to people. One day when Adam was in his mid-teens, he had a serious conversation with me. He talked about the horrible dreams he had from the time he was very little. I always knew he was bothered by these dreams, but I didn't realize that there was something more to them than just a bad dream. That was the moment I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God was calling him to something specific, and Satan didn't like it. Dave and I prayed about this with a different approach than we had taken in the past. Within a short time, Adam attended a youth event in Sarnia, and during that service, he was set free from those attacks. The path was opening up for him to follow God's calling. God was developing him in discernment and an awareness for spiritual warfare. Adam had an opportunity to go to Cuba on a missions trip with our church. Uh, he helped teach the children, and he played guitar for worship. During this time there, a man spoke over him about becoming a minister. This message really struck with him and stuck with him. There were many conversations about that event. You know, life is an education. Adam's personal warfare helped him to know the enemy of his soul and how he works. This was evident to our pastor, Peter Cusick, as he was asked to assist in deliverance prayer ministry at the Teen Challenge Farm in our area prior to ever attending Bible school. And pastor got Adam to preach in our church prior as well. Not something our pastor just invites anyone to do at such a young age. Adam had a deep curiosity for the Word of God. He has always been interested in history and Jesus. Ministry to him is perfect fit for his passion. He enjoys being in front of people. It is comfortable for him. We have spent many hours talking about Jesus and Scripture. Our family has always enjoyed music as well. Our boys grew up on Christian rock from the 70s and the 80s. Worship and praise was a constant on every family road trip. Adam loves to play and worship. It's another huge passion in his service for God. Adam wasn't sure about Bible college, though. First, he chose another career in computer programming. But due to circumstances, things didn't take off. God closed doors. When he felt the Holy Spirit's call to ministry, he was hesitant to tell me, thinking I would be opposed to it. You see, I was never opposed, but wanted him to be called by God, not encouraged by man. When he finally got enough courage to tell me, 
my response was simply, yes, I know. And that I was glad he heard God's voice. We said all this to highlight something about this young man that's before us today. This young minister has... Uh, <laughs> He's worked through some struggles. He went to school to learn the Bible, has a good understanding of it, and he's had opportunities to develop and understand his giftings. But more importantly than all that, this young man not only knows about Jesus, he actually knows him. We could share many other uh, experiences concerning the move of God's hand in Adam and Jessica's life since they've been in ministry, but those are their stories to tell. We would like to thank you for having the celebration for Adam in recognition of his ordination. This is a very special occasion to be celebrated, and it's great that he and Jessica live closer now that we could be here today. May the Holy Spirit open your hearts to move in the direction he has provided you in vision and purpose for his work here in Essex and the surrounding area. Peace and blessings to all of you, from our family to yours. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very, very special, obviously. I'm going to ask some individuals, some people to come forward at this time, Pastor Adam and Jessica. If you'd come forward and maybe just stand over here, that would be great. And pastor and board members, if you're here, along with spouses, if you're available, would you come forward and stand behind this couple as well at this time of ordination? Thank you. I'm going to move this a little pa bit, Pastor Adam, and you can put it back when you need to. How would that be? Okay. Thank you. Come on up. I'm so happy each of the board members and their spouses can give a little tribute today. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I got your attention, didn't I? <laughs> if I didn't have it then, I had it now. Let me tell you a little bit more about Adam DeMoor. Adam's conversion experience occurred at a young age. As he grew up in a Christian family, he was always aware of God's existence as the creator of the universe and everything therein. Teachings of repentance and salvation were common in his small Pentecostal church, and at the age of six, he knew something was missing in his life and asked his mother to pray with him. This was when Adam accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. How special that you can be here today. Though doubts were uncommon, there were times of discouragement and spiritual battles that occurred early in his life. Adam believed God had provided various crisis moments on his journey that both delivered him from harm and blessed him with times of refreshing in his presence. While attending a local college for computer software development, Adam felt in his heart a call to pursue vocational ministry. He disliked the idea for many reasons, such as fear of inadequacy, lack of financial provisions, and other items. But God laid it on his heart to examine the call and, to, and attend the Bible college in Peterborough. Many people spoke into his life, but it wasn't until Adam was on a missions trip to Cuba that things became clear. A Cuban pastor who didn't know him or speak English had a dream about Adam. He prophesied over him with words of knowledge about his inmost fears, innermost fears. 
He encouraged Adam and declared the Lord's favor in his obedience to minister. And this was a moment that greatly shaped Adam's journey in pastoral ministry. Adam continues to strive for holiness, and that is his heartfelt vision and goal, and that his heartfelt visions and goals line up with God's divine plan. This commissioning of God's DNA and his own is what he truly desires. Amen. I really like that. The commingling. Sorry, no, I said commissioning. Sorry, I'm glad I'm rereading this. This commingling of God's DNA and his own. What a great phrase. That's terrific. Excellent. Adam, it's my delight today to lead you in vows of ordination. So I'm going to ask that you would just step a little this way and just come on over here. And uh, it, it's too bad you didn't reschedule renewal of vows as well. We could, uh, we're all set up here. Two for one deal. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Not that that's necessary at all, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> so, Adam, today, do you believe in your heart that you are truly called of God to a full life of continuous Christian ministry and that you are in God's will at this time? If so, will you answer, I do? I do. Are you persuaded that the Holy Scriptures, inspired of God, contain all doctrine necessary for full and eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? And are you determined to instruct those people committed to your care out of the Holy Scriptures and to teach nothing but that which may be concluded and proven by Scripture? If so, will you answer, I am. I am. Will you give faithful diligence to always minister the doctrines, sacraments, and disciplines of Jesus Christ our Lord and teach those who are committed to your care to also give diligence to keep and observe the same? If so, will you answer, I will. Will you be diligent to give yourself to a ministry of prayer and the continuous study of the scriptures, always desiring the Holy Spirit's enablement in these areas? If so, will you answer, I will. I will. Will you be diligent to order your lifestyle and that of your family according to the directives of God's word, so as to make yourself a wholesome example and model to others? If so, will you answer, I will. I will. will you endeavor to live in peace joy and love among those who are or shall be committed to your care? If so, will you answer, I will. I will. Will you honor and cooperate with those elected and appointed overseers of the PAOC and to whom is committed its administration and governance submitting to their leadership? If so, will you answer, I will. I really like that one because I'm one of those. It <laughs> works out really well, doesn't it? And I know you will, and I know that you have. So it is indeed my honor to lay hands upon you today, Adam. Just let me through here a little bit, if I could. I'm asking those around to gather around and lay hands on this couple. Would you stand with me, please, today? That would be terrific. Yes, Dave and Janice, come on up. Thanks, Pastor. That's a great idea. Thank you. Please get, get right in here, okay? On each side, how would that be? Mom, how about you come over here? That'd be terrific. And so Adam today and Jessica, recognizing both of your calls to ministry, we anoint you with oil. Of course, a symbol of the great Holy Spirit that dwells within you and exudes from you. We anoint you with oil. We pray over you today in the name of Jesus, who has suffered, died, been raised from the dead, has ascended into heaven, and shall return according to the Father's will. And so today, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Adam Demore. We thank you for your call upon his life. Lord, we thank you for his parents, 
and his ancestors and every good influence and opportunity you've had to enter into his life and continue to do so. We thank you for your protection over him, your direction, your leading, and your care. And so today, Lord, we recognize your call upon him. Likewise, upon Pastor Jess, Lord, we thank you for your call upon her, for bringing this couple together in your way, in your time, in the way that you have used them and shall continue to do that. Direct them, bless and lead and guide their precious family. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for this church, for Pastor Brent, the team, both uh, clergy and volunteer, lead and guide these precious people as they give their time on boards and on committees in leadership. Thank you, Father. And now, Pastor Adam, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in you what is pleasing to him in Jesus' name. And may you know the one who does more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. And Pastor Jess and Pastor Adam, may the God of peace bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. So now Pastor Adam Demur, by the authority of the Western Ontario District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and according to the call of God that we recognize in community today, we ordain you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So be it. Let's give praise to God and congratulations to Him. I told Pastor Adam, there's a beautiful bag down there. It's really not a beautiful bag, but the stuff inside of it is pretty good. Uh, the gifts inside are worthwhile. I think you'll enjoy them and use them. And here is the certificate. You can do with that whatever you wish. Enjoy it. It, it tells you that you're ordained. There it is. There's the photo op. You missed it. Sorry. We can do it later over lunch. We congratulate you. We're glad that you're part of our ministerial family. Greetings again from Lori Gibbons, who so appreciates you and your ministry. Thanks again. Thanks again, Pastor. For the <laughs> there, thanks again, Pastor, for this great opportunity. Thank you so much. It's much appreciated. God bless you. And what you're about to hear now is the first message ever in history of Reverend Adam Demur. How about that, eh? Have a seat. Thank you. Do you want this, Adam? No, I have a mic. Okay. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, bud. Thanks. Um, <laughs> we have uh, we have some really good things uh, in store today. Uh, we're going to read from the Word of God. We're going to hear what He has to say, and I pray that you are listening. Um, Nate, you want to play that that song for me? This is for a few of our guests today.
What he's saying is so That's good, good. thanks. Come on and open up. All right, so my dad alluded to this. This I don't know how many people know that, but uh, that's Servant. It's a rock and revival album, which I adore. And the song is called Listen. And today we're talking about listening. So I thought, you know, this is perfect. I just want to play that song. And just as a side note, I really did have nice shoes I was going to wear. And I left them in my office when I was just running around, you know, in the morning. And I forgot. But, you know, the words of the great Andy Dufresne came to mind. How often do you really look at a man's shoes? Probably quite often when you're about eye level with his (laughs) shoes. So I'm going to hide. Um, Sorry about that. Anyway, if you don't know who Andy Dufresne is, that's sad. It's just, you know, come on. So what we're going to do is we're going to do simple, simple work where we read scripture, we see what God is saying, and we realize that there's something for us. And I pray that you read scripture this way. I really do. I pray that when you open the word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through the words that you are being refined and that you are understanding something for your life here today. Now, the original author probably didn't mean any of that stuff, but God is mighty and does great things through his word. Amen? Amen. So um, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's one of the Sunday school lessons that I grew up on and I always thought was really, really cool because, you know, it's like nap time and it's about nap time. Um, it's about going to bed. But um, it's, it's just a really good lesson. And if you remember or me talking before, I like naps. Naps are good. Going to sleep's great. Uh, being woken up in the middle of the night is now part of my life. I have a daughter. Um, so I also can relate to this story. You'll get what I mean in a bit. I want to give you some context and some background to what is happening in this scripture. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, um, what's happening in this space is there's a guy named Samuel who is the son of Hannah, and she couldn't have children but asked God to give her a child. Now, while at the temple in Shiloh, she vowed to dedicate this son that she could have, if God would allow it, to the Lord for all the days of his life, and also that she would not cut a hair on his head which I probably should have done. I got a haircut recently, and I was thinking, oh, good idea. I've had the same haircut for a while. Kind of looked like that Pokemon, the Pidgeotto thing. And I thought, oh, I'll do something new. And I went went to the hairdresser place, and I started talking to them, and I said, hey, what do you think? I want to look like George Clooney. And they said, oh, yeah, right? And they said, um, I showed them a picture. They said, yeah, you can do that. That sounds really good. They started to cut my hair and everything. And then about partway through, they said, you know what? It's not going to look exactly the way you want it. I figured. I'm not George Clooney. Unless you murder mistaken. Um, so it's not going to look exactly the way you want it. There's going to be some weird, this is an awkward stage haircut is what they call it. So some things are going to look a little funny in the back and all that other stuff. So then they said, you know, you don't have anything special coming up, do you? No photos or anything? I said, no. <laughs> so photos from the front, please. And like this or something because... I'm at an awkward stage in life, apparently. (laughs) Anyway, so she would not cut his hair, or it says a razor would never touch his head. That's just fancy words, okay? So God blessed Hannah with Samuel, her son, and she gave him over to the care of Eli, who was the high priest at the temple in Shiloh, okay? So let's talk about Eli. Eli, high priest, temple in Shiloh. 
Eli had two sons. Their name is Hophni. Very cool. And Phineas. Doesn't that sound like they're bad guys already? They got bad guy names. They got bad guy names. So these, we'll call them villains. Well, these guys, Hophni and Phineas, they are bad dudes, okay? What they do is they are priests in this temple. They steal food from those that are going to give to the Lord in an unlawful way. They even have their servants threaten to beat them up. Wish I had servants to do that. Anyway, um, they, so that's really mean. And they also, this is brutal, they, they often uh, have intimate relations with the women who served at the temple gate. Now, here's something interesting. That women serving at the temple gate is not seen anywhere else in Scripture, as far as I know. We have district officials and pastors around. They can correct me, and I'll just leave. Um, but... As far as I can read and understand, I don't see anywhere else in Scripture that there are women specifically serving at the temple gate and doing all of this work. That's a pagan thing. That's something that, that the Canaanite people had in their places of worship. Yet it's happening in the temple at Shiloh? Weird that they're there. Now, of course, these women in, you know, in the, with the Canaanite group would have been doing other things that are considerably more unlawful, but the priests, these sons, these bad dudes are doing these things anyway. And Eli knew all about this sin, but he didn't stop it. He didn't stop it. Okay, now we're ready to read. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to read the whole thing. Why not? It's good to keep in context. So, 1 Samuel chapter 3, hopefully you have a Bible with you. I didn't put the text up behind me. I could do slides and things, and I have in the past. I didn't today because I really want you to look at my haircut and bad shoes. <laughs> Let's read. 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, who in those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Say rare and not many visions. Good, you're still awake. I like this. This is good. Verse 2. We're so close to the end. Um, one night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Say, usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Say, not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lied down. Verse 6, again the Lord said, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not even know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Say, Listening. 
So Samuel went and lie down in his place. Say his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Say listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Say tingle. That was just for fun. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for my sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. I think that's the only thing he knows how to really say. Um, that's fine. Um, verse 19, what was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. I've heard that growing up too, but it wasn't in this context. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground say none of his words fall to the ground and we'll stop there listen oh that's the title that was a good thing to say um listen there's there's something happening here that i want us to grasp lots of scripture which is a good thing and i want us to really hone into what's going on and the first thing i want to mention it's it's just important is God is not speaking much in those days. And I, and I got you to repeat certain things just so we kind of remember them. God's not speaking much in these days. The visions and the messages are extremely rare. Now, now why? I want you to understand this. God stops speaking when leaders stop listening. You ever talk to somebody trying to tell them something really important or a story, and they are just completely ignoring you. Jess and I had a conversation like that last night. Um, and uh, I won't say which one was the ignorer. That way you can equally, you can equally despise us both. Um, so, so anyway, you ever have that? You have a conversation with somebody, and they're, just, they're distracted. They're looking somewhere else. They're doing all these other things. And then... You as the speaker, you just don't want to keep talking anymore. You realize it's just pointless. It's like talking to a brick wall. Which the reverb is phenomenal when you do that. But nonetheless. And I, I can understand God here. Speaking to his people and his people, his leadership. Obviously, as we've read prior in understanding the context of this scripture, the leadership is not listening. There are women serving in the temple that really totally mimics what's going on in the pagan temples. And there's, there's thieving happening and threats from the priests. And there is unlawful relations as well. 
the leadership isn't listening. There's a whole portion prior of prophecy in, in uh, chapter 2 where someone speaks prophetically straight to Eli's face. He doesn't even get it. He doesn't listen. God stops speaking when leaders stop listening. When we stop listening. Eli does not have his ear to God's voice. It takes the high priest. Okay, this is the guy that sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Indiana Jones. I mean, read Leviticus 16. Sorry. Um, right? That's the guy. Sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. of the, and, and he's in the literal presence of God in these moments. And he doesn't even recognize takes him three times to say, oh, you know what, Samuel? Maybe it's God. Thanks, high priest. Could have got that the first time. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Well, I want you to know a lot, but let's just do three things because that's a good sermon number. God speaks to those that are in the right place. God speaks to those that are in the right place. Amen. So where was Eli? He was lying down in his usual place, which is where the lamp of God has not yet gone out. I'm going to read a portion of Leviticus. It's a fun book. Please give it a look. Leviticus 24, verses 1 to 4 says this. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites uh, to bring you clear oil of pressed olives. Kind of like this. A little clearer, but that's, you know, that's the idea. For the light of that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Say continually. Outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Law in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to tend to the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. Say continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. continually. Here's Eli, high priest. Mercy seat, cool stuff, right? He's lying by the lamp of God that has not yet gone out. Meaning... This guy at night lays down by the lamp. No one else can see it. No one's watching it. And he's not tending to it. He's going to let it go out. He'll probably light it in the morning. This is not his Levitical call. This is not his priestly call. He's not in the right place. He's lying down, ready to sleep, just letting it go out. So where's, where's Samuel? He's lying down in the temple where the Ark of God was. So this is a boy, fairly young. Um, you can imagine he has very long locks of hair at this point. Um, and he's, I'm, and again, scripture, talk to some other really knowledgeable, great people. He is at least near the Ark. I don't know if he's in the uh, setup. This would be a tabernacle set up kind of permanently. It's not moving. And they would have called it the temple at the time. I don't think he's in the Holy of Holies. But he is very close to the ark. 
He is near this area. He's close to the presence of God. He wants to lie near the presence of God in resting, not for sacrament, not for prayer and supplication, not for all of these things, not to build his faith. For rest, he wants to be in the presence of God. Are you picking this up? So the high priest often neglects the presence of God, but a boy is seeking rest in the presence of Almighty God. We all want to hear from God, but it only works when we acknowledge His presence in our lives. Right? How to keep from sinning. Just a little side note. Practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. Practice the presence of Almighty God in your life. If you have some great sin or desire or temptation that you just want to act upon, well, I would say, edit this. I don't know how to edit this better. I would say, give it a shot, but do so with the presence of God at its most paramount in your heart and life because it's going to be so difficult for you. I believe it would. If you really are practicing, you just say, yeah, God's everywhere, whatever. He's not Santa Claus, sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake. It's not like that. This is the almighty God presence, creator of the universe, lover of your soul, with you here and now, and speaking to you, maybe through me, maybe through friends and pastors, scripture. It's just not the same to defy what you're created for and sin and act in some sort of temptation when you are practicing that kind of presence. First thing anyone does when they're starting to go through a, a moral failure or a, or a time away where, where they're acting on a temptation is they would disconnect themselves from the presence of God. That, that's just something you, you, you really, you got to shut that off first because if that's still on, it's very difficult to, you know, act on these things. You get what I'm saying? So hearing from God starts by acknowledging him. You've got to be in the right place. Let's do the second thing because I know that we're, we're kicking on. God speaks to those that have the right heart. That have the right heart. This is similar to the last one, but, but listen. So Samuel was diligent. He was a young boy, uh, as a young boy would be, and he says, here I am. Over and over again until he found who was calling him. He kept getting up. He kept seeking. Who's calling me? I need to know. Eli, is it you? I am ready. I am diligent. I am listening. My ears are open. He has that right heart. He's ready. See, here's something that you can write down, and I think this is important. Holiness increases revelation. And when we're people who understand that we're practicing the presence and we're letting it change us and we're diligent, we want more of God, we, want, we hunger for his daily, an intake of understanding of him, then revelation actually comes easier, which makes sense. If you are ignoring and it's a side thing, I'm a Christian at church, I'm not at work or at school or wherever, it's just kind of a thing I do, I really like the feeling, I think I hear from God, I like the worship, and that's it. But you're not really allowing God to work through you and your heart out there, then your revelation will be less because you're not open 24-7. 
You're not diligent 100% of the time and ready to say, here I am, when maybe God is calling. I want you to know that you're not supposed, because I'm talking about holiness. So I need you to understand, you're not supposed to be a great um, pastor, preacher, doctor, dentist, uh, lawyer, cop, or mechanic, although I would love you to be if you're mine. Um, You're not supposed to be a great any of those things. You are supposed to be someone that God wants to talk to. Right? And I told you, God stops speaking when leaders stop listening, when people stop listening. You want to be someone God wants to talk to? Listen. Don't make me play servant again. Everything you do, your job, your ministry, your life, do it all through the overflow of the genuine walk that you have with God. Just do that. Right? How can you be a great preacher? How can you be a great worship leader or a great friend or a great husband, wife, a great all these things? Well, if you just have a really good, genuine relationship with God, that really helps. Do it from the overflow of that. Start there. Right? I actually did something a little bit backwards where I started to really understand a great amount of God's love for me when I had River. Because I adore that kid. I always say she's my favorite human. She really is. And the thing is, and I had a, a friend speak this into me, which was just really great. He said, when you have your child, you are going to understand the relationship of the triune God better than you did before. That's right. That's right. And I don't want to discourage you if you've been trying to have kids and you can't have kids or anything like that. Please don't be discouraged. Um, I want you to understand that that love is just, I still don't fathom it or understand it. (laughs) It's just something that God has revealed to me, and I'm blessed with that, which is great. And God shows you his love in so many ways, and I pray that you're listening to receive Give God all of your affections and you will have his attention. Amen? Last thing. I know everyone's hungry. I can hear stomachs growling. Um, it's either that or, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Okay, so number three is this. That's three letter numbers. Number three is this. God speaks to those who are listening. God speaks to those who are listening. God is always looking for someone who is listening to him. See, um, I love this, but you, you know when Jesus speaks of the good shepherd, John 10, 14, 18, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. That's us because we're Gentiles, but that's so cool. Um, I'm glad that he talked about us. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. Yes. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Do you know the master's voice? Do you know the voice of Jesus Christ? I pray you do. I pray through everything you do, that's the one thing you got right, because I know some things go wrong. I do. I, I get that. It's fine. Just know his voice. Just listen to him. Have a relationship with him. You're not supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to be someone that God wants to talk to. Amen? 
That's what we're aiming for. I'm going to skip down. Those were my three things, but there's just one last piece that I think really fits it all together, and I want you to hear it. You ready? God is not cryptic. When God said, Samuel, he wasn't trying to throw his voice, sound like Eli, hiding from some place. He didn't go, you know, and try to make it all weird. He clearly said, actually, when you read it, you may have a, a, have a version where it says it twice. Samuel, Samuel. That's because in, in, in Hebrew, they write it twice because it means they didn't have exclamation marks. It means he yelled it. Samuel. If there's like a kid named Samuel somewhere, like in nursery or something, they're going to be like, what? Sorry. Sorry, Sam. But he, he's clearly trying to communicate with you. Not cryptic. Some of us, or some of you, because I'm not one of them, um, is maybe really into like numerology stuff, looking into the Bible. Oh, hey, look, you know, if you rip out these pages and you make them into a cross and then you like staple it on a wall and throw paint at it, certain paint sticks, and then you count the words and it says Jesus is coming on Tuesday. Right? That's a really bad version of numerology, but you get my view now. Um, here's the thing. God's not cryptic. He's not hiding from you. He's not in some weird labyrinth puzzle game that you need to solve. Now, yes, the Hebrew language is written out, which is also mathematical and has all these amazing things. God's all-encompassing. He's in everything. He's in his language, in his word, in his people, you and I. He's in this place. He is in the geography of this world, in the stars in it all. He is because he leaves his fingerprints on everything he touches, right? But he's not cryptic. He's not hiding from you. Best scripture for this, Isaiah 45, 18 to 19. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but he formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord. There is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness, I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Listen, church, he's not hiding from you, and he wants you to find him. He wants you to talk to him. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't say, seek me in vain. I want you to take a moment and listen. I know we got time, and I will pray. But I would be amiss to not give you a moment to listen. God will appoint and anoint you to do great things, but it first starts with a willing heart that is open and, and just ready to listen to what God has to say. It might not be what you want to hear, but it will be what you need to hear. I'm sure Eli did not want to hear that message from Samuel. But it was the right message. And you know what? Good for Eli to say, yeah, the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. And I know that. So let him do that. I don't... Yeah. Just, and, and these are things that we need to accept. God wants to talk to you. Can we take a moment? Let's just kind of... You can close your eyes. You can stare at the ceiling. I don't mind. Just let's take a moment. Let's listen. Let's allow God 
to just speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.